0: hey folks this is kevin on this week's episode of risk you'll hear calvin s cato and i was like (laughs) drugs yeah (laughs) let's do this that and more but first folks the state is back my sketch comedy group you might remember from our days on mtv in the 90s we're finally returning. We're going to be doing a bunch of classics. We're going to be showing some stuff you've never seen before. We're going to be returning for one amazing live show in Denver, Colorado on August 30th at the Paramount Theater. And if this show sells out, we'll do a full-blown tour. So you don't want to miss this. Go to the state. Dot com for tickets. That's the-state.com. Also, how many risk listeners also listen to one of the most compelling and essential podcasts out there, Gaslit Nation? If you've never heard Gaslit Nation, it's riveting. It's all you need to know about what's happening to democracy. And on August 5th, at 4 p.m. at Caveat in New York City, our two podcasts, Risk and Gaslit Nation, come together. We're celebrating the release of the remarkable book, Dictatorship, It's Easier Than You Think. It's a non-fiction comic book that is jaw-dropping and fascinating and hugely illuminating about how democracies can turn into autocracies myself and co-author andrea chalupa also the co-host of gaslit nation will discuss this fantastic book as well as how the political is personal in risk stories so come to see us on august 5th at 4 p.m go to caveat.nyc slash events and click on that august 5th show for tickets we'll be right
1: back
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Folks, if you like good old-fashioned true crime mysteries, if you like stories where you feel like you're a detective finding clues, June's Journey is the name of this new game that you can play on your iPhone or your Android. You are uncovering the mystery of June's sister's murder. It's this well-to-do family in the 1920s living in a Great Gatsby-like mansion. Each scene uncovers new aspects of the story. Some parts are in New York. Some parts are in Paris. There's all kinds of objects you're finding and trying to assess whether they're meaningful or not. You collect information, filling out your own photo album, and you're keeping track of all the characters. There's romance, there's scandalous family secrets. It feels like a really fun play or movie. And I've only made it through like five scenes, but I am told you could crack the case. All you need is an internet connection and downloading on iOS or Android. So discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Now here's the show. Kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison. This is Kanahanazawa behind me now with a song called Happy Endings which is what we're calling this week's episode Two Different Meanings of the Words Happy Endings in Today's Stories, both recorded at Caveat in New York City. Now, remember, folks, we want to know your ideas for things you might pay X amount of dollars for or that you imagine another Risk fan would pay X amount of dollars for for our fundraising efforts this summer, like I'd pay X amount of dollars for Kevin to officiate my wedding or spend a day with me at Six Flags Amusement Park or take me to a kinky play party or teach a private storytelling workshop to my family in order to get everyone sharing stories about our family history. So think on that. Send those ideas to me at at kevinatrisk-show.com. And something really cool has come up, an alternative to all that. Mariana Voigt, the therapist you can hear talking to Bob Brader about his story Spitting in the Face of the Devil on Patreon, she offered that for our fundraiser, we could auction off a few therapy sessions with her. Since then, other Risk fans have offered we could auction off Reiki sessions, ceramics, things they knitted custom-made illustrations, and paintings. So what about you? Is there a good or a service you might offer for Risk to Auction? Email me at kevin at risk-show.com. Now, in a little bit, we're going to hear from a favorite of ours, Calvin S. Cato, back on the show. Over at calvincato.com, you can find out where he's performing live Next. A lot happens in his story, but just so you know, suicide is a subject that comes up in it. Before that, Vicki Cooperman makes her very memorable debut on the show. She can be found at vickycooperman.com and here she is now with a story we call Pura Vida. <laughs> Pura Hurra vida. Da. Ah, that's the one. Just just ignore the previous couple of attempts.
2: So, my husband and I had a little bedroom snafu. A little awkward he caught me fantasizing about other men during sex, but I assured him, sweetie, I only fantasize about you when I'm having sex with other men. So don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. We actually are, have become nudists. I don't know when this happened, maybe the pandemic. We're just like, the world's ending. Let's just, what's the point of putting on clothes, right? We're, we're actually doing a naked photo shoot. We are a group naked photo shoot, and I cannot believe it. And by the way, any American woman who will be naked in front of other people, like, you got to give me props, because the world, as soon as I leave my house, and even when I'm in my house, just wants me to hate my body, and it wants me to hate myself. And I have to say, this starts very young. It starts at, like, age zero, age one, maybe, maybe when you're even in the womb. And it doesn't help, maybe, the choices I've made, like... In my 20s, I had that one accessory every girl has in her 20s. Hopefully, she gets it over with, which is we date a sociopath. That's always a thing we do. He was awful. He, like, you know, he just criticized my looks, my brains, my talent, my apartment, my everything. I got rid of him. That was the most important thing. I got rid of him. And I was in my 20s, and I really didn't know what to do with myself. And I really had a lot I wanted to get out creatively, so I decided to go to an artist residency in Costa Rica for six weeks. And if anyone here is not familiar with what an artist residence is, it is a group of artists and painters and writers, and they go usually into the woods, take government funds and uh, private funds, and then have sex and do drugs on those funds. (laughs) And uh, I can confirm that is exactly what happened, but it was a beautiful, beautiful artist residence on a hill. On one side was a coffee plantation. On the other side, the secondary forest within the rainforest, just outside of San Jose, the capital. And anyone here been to Costa Rica? Yeah, lovely country. They have no capital punishment. They have no military. Yep, when foreign dignitaries visit, they just have children in uniform singing that country's national anthem at the airport. And what's known as a Costa Rican Air Force is a squadron of pelicans flying in formation. <laughs> they recently had to cut through some of the rainforests to build a road, which was necessary. To save the wildlife, they built little walking bridges over the road for monkeys and frogs. Yeah. Oh, I know. Amazing. And their motto is Pura Vida, which means pure life, or it means love for love, or it means Whatever. So like, you know, Pura Vida's like, hello. Pura Vida's goodbye. Pura Vida's like, yeah, whatever, I don't have the right change. Or like, I cheat on my wife, Pura Vida. You know, they misuse it. They misuse it too. No addresses. The country has no addresses. It really is where the streets have no name. I, like, I, I actually go to the dentist there, which should tell you a lot about a comedian's uh, dental plan in the United States. <laughs> I fly to Costa Rica to go to the dentist and my dentist's address is officially 300 meters west of the auto mercado. So I'm like, okay, where's the auto mercado? And they're like, it's 300 meters east of the dentist's office. (laughs) And they look at me like I'm crazy. So anyway, we we went to this artist colony. I went for six weeks and... um, I was still feeling writer's block, and you know, we hired this Spanish teacher named Nina, and she would come on Tuesdays, and that was great because I was learning Spanish, kind of immersing in the culture. And then all the artists and writers got together, and we're like, well, you know, it's kind of cheap. Why don't we hire a masseur to come on Sundays, since um, it's cheap, and why not? We were like, all right, pura vida. So. His name was Raphael. He was a masseur, and he would start at the main house where there were four artist lofts, and then he would go down to one cottage and another, and mine was around the bend. It was actually the last cottage. Sometimes I didn't even have Wi-Fi, so I actually didn't even see the driveway to the artist colony. I didn't know when he arrived. Like Usually it was around 10 or 11, but I always saw him at 3 p.m. rounding the corner with a Swedish massage table. And the first time he appeared, there he was, rounding the corner, tall, dark, handsome, muscular, but I felt very safe, like it was all good. Nothing weird, and he put out his massage table, I lay face down, and I was like, all right, he's gonna get out these knots, and I'm finally gonna be able to write this script I need to write, and so I think I fell asleep on the massage table the first day. And the second Sunday, he came back, and I was like, I am not falling asleep. So there he comes, rounding the bend, Tall, dark, handsome, muscular with a Swedish massage table. And he puts it down. And I'm like, I'm not falling asleep. So I go face down. And he starts on my upper back. And then he starts, like, getting the knots out in my middle back. Then my lower back. And then I'm like, oh, my God. He's kind of touching, like, my butt. I don't know what is going on. And then, like, my inner thighs. And then I was like, he is now, okay, he's touching my labia. All right. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. And by the way, this is not a Me Too story. All right, you don't have to be tense. This is a you two can have a massage like this if you go to a Costa Rican artist colony and hire a masseur named Rafael. Because, like, sex is still okay, right? As long as it's consensual, right? Like, women are still allowed to have sex. Okay, good. Um, we're allowed to have surprise orgasms, right? It's okay. Sometimes it's just delightful. And so I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, this, maybe this is, oh, this is what I need. All right. And so he, by the way, he hasn't said a word. He never did. I never heard his voice. And, uh Which is wonderful because my favorite type of man is tall, dark, and silent. Uh, I'm so fucking sick of hearing men talk. Aren't you? They've had, they've had centuries and uh, they, they didn't do so well, right? No, <laughs> the world's not in such a great place, so shut the fuck up. And... So anyway, he, um, as he's leaving that first time, I was like, okay, I guess I'm paying him for a bundle deal. I don't know what I'm paying him for, but I'm just going to give him money. He was very polite, took it, and left. And I was like, that was kind of amazing. <laughs> that was one of the best sexual encounters I've ever had. And so um, Raphael came every Sunday, as did I. And... <laughs> I did not just write a screenplay. A cinematic universe flowed out of me, (laughs) as did other things. And uh, it was amazing. I call it self-care Sundays. It was so great. It was wonderful. Uh, Raphael is just my type, I'm telling you, just silent. So the last day there was a party, a goodbye party, and some socialites from the town were there, and all the artists were there. And I had told nobody, nobody what was happening, because I was like, maybe he's doing this with other people, none of my business. This was my little moment to just do what I wanted to do with no one watching. And uh, I'm starting to feel better about myself as a person. And anyway, it's, it's the last night and all my friends, my artist friends are gathering around some people that I haven't met yet. So my friend Carrie passes and I go, who's that guy you're talking to? She's like, which one? And I like point into a crowd and she's like, oh, that's Raphael. And I was like, oh, Raphael's here. I was excited. One last romp, you know. Um, And then I was like, no, that guy. And it was like this short, stocky, bald guy. And she's like, that's Raphael. And I was like, no, that's not Raphael. That's not, she's like, yeah, that's our masseur. And I was like, that's not who's been massaging me, though. That's not where, what? And she's like, that's the guy we hired. And I was like okay, now, (laughs) my flight's in 12 hours. I'm just gonna adopt the country motto of Pura Vida. Because I don't know who the heck was coming to my cabana at three o'clock every Sunday and giving me orgasms. But I want to believe there is a God. (laughs) who believes in karma and understands what I'd been through in my life. And I don't know, was this guy a retired soccer player who was bored or, I don't, I don't. Was he Raphael's driver? Like getting, all I know is a tall, dark, silent man emerged out of the secondary forest, (laughs) carrying a Swedish massage table under his arm. And literally, I don't know the sound of his voice because he never spoke. He just went down on me and fingered me and um, gave me orgasms, which I paid for. And it was one of the best sexual interactions of my life. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And some um, friends have been like, don't you want to go find him? I'm like, I don't know his real name. The country has no addresses. (laughs) I would have to do some twisted, reverse gender feminist Cinderella story and go try out everybody's hands. (laughs) And tongues. And I'm not against that, but I I feel like my husband might be like, don't do that. (laughs) So I can't do that. I don't even know where to start. And then my other friend goes, I can't believe you didn't know you were paying for sex. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I knew I was paying for sex. I just didn't know who I was paying, okay? (laughs) It was one of the most liberating, empowering moments to pay for sex. It was the first and last time I've ever done it. Don't you dare take that away from me, all right? And I have to tell you, I came back to New York and I'd never dated a sociopath again so while i did the work okay i should get like 95 percent of the credit but rafael definitely pushed me in the right direction thank you so much guys thank you
3: somewhere in costa rica a dangerous criminal is on the loose sexually gratifying unsuspecting massage clientele with an unprecedented skill and cunning this tall, dark, and silent stranger has brought countless women to satisfying climax with little regard for the law. Armed only with a Swedish massage table and an unparalleled proficiency in cunnilingus, this vile yet much appreciated offender has deftly administered more orgasms than we care to count. Have you or someone you know been pleasured by someone who fits this description? Do you have any theories about who this mysterious masseur could be? If so, please email kevin at rich-show.com and help us bring this sexy stranger to justice. Brought to you by the Costa Rican Council for Unsolicited Happy Endings. We'll be right
4: back.
5: When I was growing up, if you asked me anything about adulthood, the only thing I knew about being adult was from sitcoms. And I loved me some sitcoms. And that's the only thing I knew was I grew up with, you know, that like wacky, like living single lifestyle, sex in this city, you know. I always assume that when you're an adult, people just like give you a laptop and an apartment and a relationship and then everything works out. And then you move to a new city and you just throw your hat in the air and it just freezes there, you know what I mean? <laughs> Until the lease clears, I don't really know. Didn't know anything. But that was my whole thing is I wanted to model my life on being an adult in a sitcom. And if you looked at my life in 2013, you would have thought, wow, this is a sitcom life. Because I had a great job, I had a relationship, and I had my own apartment in New York City, which is crazy, okay? Do you know how hard it is to live alone in New York City without having to wear fishnets? It's very difficult. (laughs) Just letting you know it's really, really hard. And on the service, when people would look at my life, they'd be like, you, you have this like nice sitcom life, you know? Like I thought it was like Calvin, exclamation point. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> starring Calvin, executive produced by Calvin, featuring Calvin with Calvin and Calvin. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I thought. But if you looked closer, and if you looked kind of like behind the like the actual screen, things were like not great. So we'll start with the studio apartment. So again, I had a studio apartment. It was barely 300 square feet. And it was one of those places where it was so small, my kitchen literally touched my bathroom. Like you could literally shit where you eat in my apartment. It was not really the best thing. And then let's talk about the job. So I had this like really cool kind of like publishing job, which is what I always wanted. And I was doing stand-up comedy, which is I was like making strides in. But at the same time, I was working around a lot of white people, and and I'm black, I should say that for the podcast, because people can't tell, and I'm usually like, I'm from Flatbush, and people are like, what part of Connecticut is that? I'm from Flatbush, (laughs) I'm black, I get it, I went to Syverson. Anyway, so like, (laughs) hey, 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 all right, (laughs) specialized, anyway, so... So, you know, when you like, I'm black and I'm working with like mostly white people. And at the time stand up, it's a lot of white people. And in, in the publishing world, there's a lot of white people. And when you do that, you work with a lot of microaggressions. And it's it was just dealing with stuff that would constantly be things that I would have to smile and grin my way through. But I'd have to just like kind of grit my teeth and be like, ugh again, this joke, you know, be things where it's like, oh. Calvin, I'm gonna go to the beach, I'm gonna get darker than you, you know? And I'm like, unless you get melanoma, you're not going to, like, fucking relax, that's not gonna happen, you know? Or like, it would stand up sometimes, like, people would bring me up to the stage and like, I've done things, and the people were like, Come to the stage, he's a black guy and he's gay, it's Calvin Cato, And I'd be like, that's, like, I've been on a show on Oxygen, and I get it, it's Oxygen, it's over Channel 100, no one's watching it. But like, I was on the show, you know what I mean? Like, come on, I did things. And so it would just be so frustrating. and it would be these like kinds of like little digs at like how at my psyche every time. And then when it came to the relationship, the relationship was kind of the hardest part because he was a guy who was very sweet and very nice on paper. But it was a kind of relationship where it started in New York City. We both were here, and then he abruptly had to move out of New York City. So it became a long distance relationship. And I don't know how many people here have ever, like, been in a long-distance relationship. And if you have and it worked out, please, like, honestly email me how you did that. Because (laughs) it was imploding quickly. And I didn't realize how bad it was imploding. Because it's hard to get physical intimacy with someone from a distance. And I needed physical intimacy. And I needed emotional intimacy. And it's hard to do that on a long distance relationship when you basically have to set an alarm clock to tell someone you love them because it's all different time zones. And so things just didn't feel right, even though on paper I had the sitcom life. And so things are like slowing down and things are feeling like off, but I don't know what it is. I don't have a name for it really. And it gets to the point where it's winter of 2013. And during the winter, what I like to do with like with anything is if I have a day job, I like to take off the time between Christmas Eve and New Year's. And that's my time where I take it off, it's by myself, and I spend the time with my girls. That's what I call it. And by that I mean my sitcoms. If it's, it's Golden Girls, Gilmore Girls, New Girl, that girl, girlfriends, like I had my girls. That was what I did. I took my time to myself. I recharged my watching sitcoms to just remind myself of like, they're great, I'm great, we're great, we're in a city, it's wonderful. But I did that this winter, and it didn't feel the same. It didn't feel great, you know? It's kind of like one of those things where, like, you plug your phone in, and you think you plugged your phone into the wall, but you turned out that, like, it's just sitting on the floor, so your phone's not recharging. And that's how I was feeling. And usually when I take these winter breaks, like, I'll try to make plans with friends, you know, my guest stars, if you will. And I would try to be like, oh, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. And I realized I was frequently just not actually making those plans. Or I would say, like, we're going to go ice skating. And then I'd make up an excuse like, oh, uh, I don't know. Sorry, I guess Spider-Man blew up the building, so I can't make it across the bridge to get there. Just making up nonsense excuses. But I kept finding it harder and harder to, like, leave my house. I had my sitcoms, and I would watch them at these set times. And I would just order the same food. And there was a Chinese restaurant, and I would always order like chicken wings with pork fried rice and an egg roll and pork dumplings. And if you don't know if I'm black by that order, you should know that I'm <laughs> black by that order because it's a very black ass order. <laughs> but that's what I did. And so I kept doing that, and I kept not leaving the house. And then, like you know, I would see the days tick by and realize I'm not really leaving the house until there's one thing that did get me to leave the house, which is a friend called me and said, "Hey." I have a bag of mushrooms. Would you want to do that with me?" And I was like, (laughs) drugs, yeah! That's like, you know, mid-season sweeps. Like, let's do this. So I leave the house and I go, and he has mushrooms. And to be clear, I'm not a mushrooms guy, okay? Like I have my unholy trifecta and it's usually like alcohol, cigarettes, and weed, you know, and that's it. And then cocaine, every other pride. Like that's kind of where I like stop. (laughs) Listen, you gotta do a little coke, you gotta find a glory hole and then never speak about it again. That's what you do. So, don't slut shame. So, that was my thing, but I don't do mushrooms. But I was like, you know, I've been feeling a little off anyway and mushrooms are supposed to unlock your mind, right? So I go, I meet up with my friend, we do mushrooms, we go to this show. And I take like part of the bag, it doesn't really hit, and he goes, okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna finish the rest of the bag. And I was like, oh, daring, okay, this is gonna be an hour long, okay. So I finished the bag of mushrooms with my friend. (laughs) The groans are appropriate. The prudes in the back, you'll find out why. So I finished the bag of mushrooms and like, Things are like, I'm like, I don't really feel anything. And then he gets a call from his wife because his wife was like, hey, the babysitter has to leave early. Can you come home and relieve the babysitter? And he goes, okay, Calvin, I've got to go, but you're going to be okay, right? And that's when it hits. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, no. Like, you know, and it's like, you're just like hurtling. It's like, you know, Madonna's way of light. You're like, and I feel like it's a whole thing. (laughs) like everything's pulsing things are like too bright but not bright enough at the same time it's like someone needs to fix the color contrast on life like i don't know what's going on and so i'm like freaking out and i find myself like leaving the venue we're at and then i start walking through the park this is like bloomberg era park but not like before you ban slushies so like you know it's not clean yet And I'm like walking through the park, and I decide I'm gonna take off my shoes and socks, walking barefoot through the park, just raw dog in the park with my feet. Like, just like, I'm like, hey, just bring in all the tetanus. You know what I mean? Like, just who gives a shit? And I'm walking through this park, and because my mind's feeling expansive, I my boyfriend calls me, and he goes, hey, what are you up to? And I was like, I'm just like walking through this park barefoot, just, you know, just. Killed it, being like, yeah, Mikey B, you know, like whatever. And he goes, well, wait, you're just walking through the park barefoot? Are you okay? And I was like, no, 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 not really. I think things are kind of fucked up. Maybe we should break up. I literally say that. <laughs> just, you know, like you're just spitballing, like, let's just brainstorm, throw darts on a board. <laughs> He's not as casual about it as I am. And he goes, wait, what do you mean break up? What are you talking about? You're, you're barefoot? Okay, we got we, we to gotta itemize the list. What's going on here? And so then I'm starting to be like, oh, I guess maybe this is probably not the best way to start this conversation. (laughs) And he goes, well, yeah, no, like we should. Can you speak with me? What's going on? What's happening? So we have a whole fight back and forth. And he goes, okay, I at least need you to go home. Can you just go home and then calm down and then call me? And I said, yeah, I can, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll put, you know, I'll get everything on. I'll figure it out. The Subways are easy. It's one line. It, it's all a line. Life is one big long ray of whatever. And so I figured out a way to get home, put on my shoes. And then I really, I wake up and, you know, it crash. And I'm like, oh no, I fucked this up really bad. And now I really can't leave the house So now I'm just home. I have not called my boyfriend. I haven't talked to anybody. I don't know what to do. And the sitcoms aren't helping right now. You know, I'm just kind of in a very dark dramedy at this point. And then it gets to the point where I've taken all the days off that I can, and I'm supposed to go to work. And so I'm like, at least I can do this. So I shower, you know, I put on something, you know, work-appropriate attire, button-up shirt, you know, nice jeans. And I get on the train, and I... I'm sitting in the front car because I'm like, okay, I've taken a lot of time off of work. I'm gonna sit in the front so that I can easily like get out and then get to work. And so I'm on, I'm on the train and it goes a couple of stops and then I hear a thud and I go, what's happening? And then I see the conductor fling the door open and that's where I see a red smear on the windshield of the train. And I'm starting to freak out, and the conductor goes, "God damn it, I can't believe this happened to me," and then opens the doors, and everyone on the train is trying to figure out what's going on. And we see the police come downstairs, and as it turns out, it is a woman who has jumped in front of the train to try to commit suicide. And the police come down, they take statements from everyone in the first car and give the statement. And then I go upstairs and I call my job because I'm like, hey, this this thing happened. I don't really know what to do. And my job goes, well, we're really going to need you to come into work. <laughs> so I have to figure out a way to now get to work. I get to work and it's a very distracted day. I end up just leaving early and I get home and I find a news report about the person who jumped in front of the train and she jumped in front of the train because her boyfriend broke up with her. And she decided that she couldn't handle it. And so then I stopped going to work. I stopped talking to friends. I stopped doing everything. I can't even watch sitcoms. All I can do is sit in my studio apartment and order the same pork fried rice and chicken wings and an egg roll and dumplings, and that's all I can do. And luckily, one of my best friends, who is a therapist, had reached out to me And said, hey, what's going on? How are you? Or is everything okay? And then things kind of just fell out in a torrent where I was like, I I don't really know. I just can't really leave my house. I'm not really sure what's going on. And she goes, well, I think you're having a sort of like breakdown. This is a bit of an issue. And I was like, well, I don't really know what to do because I I don't don't get this. And she goes, well, what you're going to do is this. I'm going to find a therapist for you. All you have to do is go see this therapist and just see what happens. Just leave the house and go to this therapist. And so she sets up the appointment for me, and I go in, and I meet this therapist, and she's, she's like my kind of person, you know, like she's wearing like a flannel shirt and cowboy boots, like she's very, you know, like the short, like, you know, cropped, we're talking like mega ropino level of hair, like it's very perfect, very nice. And I walk in, and I walk in like kind of like a scared five-year-old, where, you know, because... I never grew up with like therapy as a thing, you know? Like you weren't taught to deal with your problems with therapy, at least for me growing up. And so I go in and I literally have like a hoodie and sunglasses on and I feel all ashamed. And I'm like, cause I always think of therapy as like, that's for people who like, that's like the very special episode kind of thing, you know? And I'm not a very special episode person, I'm fine. I just couldn't leave the house for a bit, whatever. And so I start to talk to the therapist and she crosses her legs, uncrosses her legs, crosses her legs and starts asking me questions. And she says, well, I know that your friend told me that like you witnessed something traumatic. And I said, yes, you know, I saw a woman, you know, jump in front of the train. And, you know, I think that that's probably the main thing, reason why I can't leave the house. And she goes, well, it seems like there should be more than that, right? And so I tell her, well, I guess it's kind of hard because she was gonna, she broke up with her boyfriend And so, you know, I feel like I'm also in a relationship spiral and she goes, well, what can you tell me about this relationship spiral? And I said, well, he's a very nice guy and it's not like anything's really wrong. I just don't know if things are okay. And then she asks me, well, are you okay with saying no about things? Are you okay with not being okay? And it just hits me that no, I'm not, I don't know how to do that. I only know how to live in a sitcom universe and so I explain all of this to her. And then she goes, well, unfortunately, our session is done. But I, it's fine. But she's like, I want you to come back next week. And let's set a weekly thing where you come back. And I come back the next week. And she has on somehow a different flannel shirt and a different pair of cowboy boots. But hey, you know, look, you got a brand. Stick with it. And so I go in and I start to talk to her more. And I start to... Unravel more about how I was like, I'm not really happy with this job and I feel like I'm supposed to be. And she helps me to parse out what it means to be happy and what it means to live your life kind of with a facade versus what it is to actually live for yourself in real life as opposed to pretending to be happy for other people. And it was just such an amazing and freeing experience to be able to just kind of let go and understand that you don't have to make yourself the center of everything. You don't have to pretend that everything's okay. And I just keep going and I keep going and I keep going. And it gets to a point where I start applying for different jobs and I start standing up for myself in stand-up comedy where I say, no, you can't bring me up like that. I want to be treated like the same way every other person gets treated. And I learn what it is like to set boundaries and I start to feel better. I'm able to find a new job. I break up with my boyfriend and I start to live a better existence. And then I remember it gets to the point where it's, I've been seeing her for a year and then it gets to the winter. And again, like I said, this is my thing where I'm taking off my time so I can spend it with my girls. And so I do that and I start to feel better. And then that same friend who offered me the mushrooms calls me out of the blue and goes, hey, by the way, I have some acid. Do you want to do some acid? (laughs) And he said, no thanks. This year, I'm just gonna spend it with my girls. That's it. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful night. I'm
3: gonna start it from the bottom. I'll show you how to flip a dollar. I got food in my dining room. I'm better, I'm better, I'm better. It's another day, another chance. I wake up, I wanna dance. So as long as I got my friends, I'm better, I'm better, I'm better.
4: He say, I'm hot, I'm so fickle. Pull up on him in my vehicle. He say, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, you must be from Brazil, I must be from Mexico. Roll up on him in my letting, bro. Jump out like s- yeah, bro. You need a chick like me to make you wanna leave them at the bar, you know, nero. Yeah, he got bands in the bando. Missy got those in Orlando. Cause I Man, I be
0: this is risk. This is the great Missy Elliott behind me now. And we just heard from Calvin S. Cato, who you can find at CalvinKato.com. And before that, an interstitial by our own taj easton now this is operation save risk this summer and we are not kidding when we word it that way if you haven't heard we are in such a tight squeeze right now if you haven't heard the episode people change please listen to it jc cassis who is our business director she explained on that episode How because of bad timing and unlucky coincidences and post-COVID complications, our four income streams mostly dried up in the past year, there are many very solid signs that they'll be flowing steadily again by the end of this year, especially Our main income stream advertising our new network Odyssey has been kicking ass pulling out all the stops to build up our advertiser relationships and it really is like watching the vital signs machine in an emergency room start to finally beep again so we do think they'll have the ad revenue flowing by the time we're you know in the winter holidays but in the meantime Everyone on staff has taken scary pay cuts, all of us, and we've got these next few months to worry about being able to pay everyone, even with the cuts. And people always think, hey, there there are hundreds of thousands of people who listen to this show, right? So other folks will pitch in. I don't have to. Nope. Nope. Most podcasts with Patreons get about 1% of their listeners donating. So please, if you haven't donated yet, we are still in dire need of your help. And we have a deliciously dishy story by the one and only Guy Branum on our Patreon this week. I am an old man. I am in my 30s and I am bald. Why am I the Jane Goodall of B Listers fucking? We have well over a hundred hours of bonus stories, check-ins, interviews, and more at patreon.com slash risk. If you're already a patron, consider upping the amount you're giving. I want to give a shout out to two new Patreon members, Maple and Jason Chess. Thank you so much to Maple and Jason and to everyone else. We need for me to be announcing more names like that on these episodes. Now, if you want to make a a one-time donation, that is at paypal.me slash risk show. And if you want to donate in any other way, or present an idea of something that we could auction off, or send in a voice recording where you share how important it is to you that risk stays alive, send any of that to kevin at risk-show.com. We'll be right
1: back. We're
0: back. Folks, don't forget to find us at Risk Show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Next week, Red Onion Randy will share a story with us from prison. This will be the first time we've ever had a story recorded from inside a prison on the show. But that's next week. Folks... Today's the day. Take a risk.
4: Yeah, he got bands in the band. Missy got dues in Orlando. Buying me bags and new shoes and new clothes and everything. I know that he's paying for. Yeah, he be hooking me up. Yeah, he be
3: hooking me up. Watch what I do when I get up on you, poppy petrol, I'ma start it from the bottom. I'll show you how to flip a dollar. I got food in my dining room. I'm better, I'm better, I'm better It's another day, another chance I wake up, I wanna dance So as long as I got my friends I'm better, I'm better, I'm better
1: Anything else, I can help you with another happy ending. Happy,
3: happy joy, joy, happy, happy joy, joy, happy, happy joy,
1: joy, happy, happy
3: joy, joy, happy, happy joy, joy, happy, happy joy, joy, happy, happy joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. I don't think you're happy enough. That's right. I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Now boys and girls, let's try it again. Happy, happy, joy, joy. 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 happy, happy